Good evening. Last time I spoke, I forgot to turn the mic on. And it always amazes me. I think I have a stronger voice than I do. And my wife probably thinks I do. But, but anyways, uh, I get feedback that I don't. So that's why I mic'd up to make sure everybody, everyone could hear me tonight. Um, welcome, everyone. It's uh, good to be with you tonight. Uh, I was looking for my, I have, you know, I, I fought having prescription glasses for years, and I finally, my pride got in the way, you know, and I finally got glasses, and now, now I can't find them. Anybody ever had that problem? So, I'm using these cheaters, and there's a spot right in the middle where my pupil is, you know what I mean? So, like, if I go off track, just yell at me. But anyways, well, tonight we want to talk about how the Holy Spirit works with our spirit. And if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, the third chapter, uh, we're going to be reading from the fifth through eighth verses. We're going to bounce around some, but, uh, but anyways, turn there. And as you're turning there, you know, the, the, uh, great philosopher George Burns, anybody can remember him? He said, the secret of a good sermon is to have a good beginning and a good ending and to have the two as close together as possible. Well, I could be in trouble on all three points tonight. <laughs> but over these next two Sundays, that's why I say that, we're going to flesh out, no pun intended, you'll get that Holy Spirit, no flesh out, okay, about the Holy Spirit and uh, how God works in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And by the way, for you folks who are you know, sitting uh, near the back and you believe that the Spirit moves the best in the back, you know, the uh, pews there, you might be a Baptist if, you, if you're back there. So I just want to make you know that, where that. But anyways, seriously though, first thing uh, we want to uh, talk about today is Genesis 1.27. I'm going to come back to that, our scripture verses here in a few moments. But I just want to, I want to uh, talk to you about starting out at the beginning. What's the beginning of God's Word? Genesis, right? So let's go to Gen- and talking about the Holy Spirit. Go to Genesis one twenty seven. God says, "So God created man in His what own image." Does that mean just God the Father? No, it means all that. So what's it mean? Well, we are a three part being, just like God's Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are through triune part of the Godhead, correct? All equal is all of our our build, makeup equal? Sure, it's, it's all together. So we're going to talk about that. We are body, soul, and spirit. We know our body is our flesh, but our soul and spirit get a little confusing, don't they, sometimes? We try to define those and figure out what that means. Well, hopefully we're going to kind of talk about that and tonight and clear that up a little bit for us, okay? First off, I'd like to talk about our spirit. Our spirit, you know. Our spirit is the invisible part of our human being that connects or communicates with God. Would you agree with that? Sure. Okay. We could say it's the heavenly component of our human's non-material makeup. That's a lot of words there, isn't it? Think about that for a minute. Our human spirit is our real person. That's who we are. That's who we are, okay? It's the very core of our being. Our spirit is the deepest and most hidden part of our being. 
I could argue our closest friend or significant other doesn't know our spirit. What do you think of that? Is that possible? Sure. Sure it is. My wife said to me after we were married for 14 years, she said, I think I finally got you figured out. I was disappointed because I was going to try to keep her guessing, you know. But seriously, others may know our soul. We'll talk about that in a minute. But do they know our innermost spirit? Hmm. You know, think of uh, the many serial killers. Uh, think of Las Vegas gunman recently, Stephen Paddock. Many never thought he was capable of doing what he did. Tremendous, horrific thing, wasn't it? We've seen that, okay? But you see, we can't see the evil in man's spirit, can we? Unless they take action. That's when we see that. Both our spirit and our soul are eternal, right? So they're going to go on. They're going to go on in whatever form. But they are two distinctly different parts of our being. From the very beginning, we can see God made us with a human spirit. In Genesis 2, 7, we read, Jehovah God formed man from the dust of the ground. What do you think that was? Their body, wasn't it? Their flesh. Okay, so from the... And it goes on to say, and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's very interesting to me when I read that. You know, dust of the ground refers to our physical body. Our living soul refers to our psychological part. That's our ego. That's our humor. That's our emotion. That's our personality and our will. People see that. They see that. Okay? And they are important. But our soul and spirit have different functions, and they function in different ways. So what about our spirit? I believe in this scripture verse here, when God refers to the breathing into the nostrils of man, that's when we got a living spirit in us. I believe that happened at that time. The Hebrew word used here for spirit is neshama, which in this verse is the word translated breath. The breath of God. So we see that. We're talking about the Spirit. You notice in creation, God didn't breathe into any of the other animals, did He? We are the only ones that He uh, breathed into, mankind. So do let me ask the question. Would you say animals have souls? Hmm. I would say yes. I would say yes. You know, we have a grand dog. That's what, we, that's what my daughter calls it for us. That dog has emotions. That dog has personality. What I say our soul was? Our emotions. Our personality. You know, dog's kind of funny sometimes. That dog has a soul, in my opinion. Okay? But does that dog have a spirit? No. No. So then, this is going to break some hearts. You know, I don't, I don't want to break hearts, but... Does that, so then that dog, that grand dog, that, that, uh, that, uh, what should I say, love of my, my wife's eye, when it passes on, will it go to heaven? No. It won't go to heaven. So, if you have animals, that's what, that's going to happen. Well, our spirit was created for the distinct purpose for God to contact, okay, I'm probably, see what we got here, okay. Let me get, don't, Okay, there we go. I, uh, you can see here, God 
uh, it was for the purpose to, of God to contact, receive, experience, and integrate Him into our lives. What am I saying? It's a way of communicating with us. It's a, it's a, it's a way of Him having a relationship with us, isn't it? That's why we have a spirit, okay? And uh, I think it's safe to say, in order to know and enjoy God, we, didn't, we need to know our spirit. We need to know our own spirit, okay? Our spirit is how we know God, are convicted of our sin. If you're a Christian, God spoke to your spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here convicting us. And also, through our spirit, we know God's will for us. That all plays together. It's, it's how we communicate, have fellowship, and have communion with God. It's through the Holy Spirit sharing what God wants us to do for God's will. We use the term in our heart, in our heart of hearts. That actually means where? In our spirit. You know, we use that because we, we want to put physical to the spiritual, don't we? We want to apply that. And in reality, when we talk about our heart of hearts, we say in our heart we receive Jesus in our heart. What's, what are we really saying? We're receiving the Holy Spirit into our spirit. That's in having communion with our spirit. He talks about that. We'll talk more about that. With that in mind, have you noticed there's something inside us that compels us? See, I can't even hardly see that. It compels us to search for lasting contentment. Um, when you think about that a minute, uh, we pursue careers, relationships, material possessions, fun, entertainment, eating, shopping, drinking, sports, knowledge, all these different things to bring contentment to us, don't we? We, all, we do that, okay? Uh, but when we really think about it, nothing cures that mysterious empty, empty feeling way down deep inside, does it, of this world? Solomon talked about that, didn't he? He talked about trying everything under the sun. He was never content. He was never satisfied. You know, and that's why... How many of you are Rolling Stones fans? I've got one. Okay, i got a few in here. Some, some won't... You know, they've got to force their hand up here. But if you remember, the Rolling Stones have had the number one rock and roll song of all times. You know what it's called? Can't get no satisfaction. Why is it the number one song? Because people are out there searching for satisfaction. They can't get it. They can't find it. They're trying every way possible to do that. Uh, you know, and why? Well, I believe it's our spirit yearning for a relationship with God, whether we cognitively even realize it. I believe that's what's actually going on. Even if, you know, we didn't realize it's happening, I believe many search their lifetime and never connect with God. I think that's sad. I think it's a sad statement for that to happen. I believe uh, that, you know, that that happens a lot. The French scientist and mathematician Blaise Pascal said that within mankind is a God-shaped vacuum. That's a pretty good analogy, I think. Only God can fit into this vacuum. Only God can. Okay. As long as our spirit is empty, meaning without God, that's what it really means, Okay. we can't obtain true satisfaction in any other way. Can't, it cannot happen at all. Only He can answer the longing of that third part, our spirit, He's the only one that can. You know, a close comparison is in Genesis 3.16. It says, I don't know if you ladies admit this or acknowledge it, but it says, a woman's desire shall be to what? Thy husband. Thy husband. That's a close comparison. I used to think I had my wife fooled into thinking I was something special. Yeah. 
until I read this verse. Now I gotta give God credit for it. <laughs> that's, that's the way it is, you know. Anyways, well, let's talk about why is our human spirit so important to God? Obviously it's important, isn't it? All of creation, I mean, think about this. How important are we to God? How important are we to God? You know, Genesis one thirty one says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? Very good. Okay, very good. The Trinity of God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit created man in their own image. They, des- they desire a relationship with their creation. Wouldn't the Trinity want a relationship with their creation? Wouldn't that make sense? Sure it would. Sure it would. And they do. We have the free choice to have a relationship with God or not. The same as the angels do. So, whoa, whoa, Dave, you're getting in territory here. What about that? Well, think about it. I would argue that they had free choice as well. They chose, from what I read in God's Word, they chose to follow this guy, this charismatic guy by the name of Lucifer. What happened to him? Got cast out of heaven. A third of them got a third. Think about this now. A third of them got cast out of heaven. Now, and I think about that. I'm going to go off on a tangent just for a moment. Okay? How charismatic? How convincing? How much of a salesperson was Lucifer? They're serving and praising God. A third of the angels. We don't know how many angels. Hundreds of thousands. And we see that he was so charismatic. He led them when they're right before God and serving Him. That's pretty charismatic. Now, why am I saying it? Well, the tangent is, how convincing is the devil to us if he was that convincing to people who was right before God? Angels, I should say, not people. Right? So think about that a minute. devil's dangerous. Very convincing. He's very subtle. And he's a liar. But enough about him. Our, like the angels, our sin creates distance between God and us. What did he do when they, when they sinned and followed Lucifer? He booted him, didn't he? He kicked him out of heaven. That, did I, that's, that created a physical different distance, didn't it? Big distance. When we, uh, which I say, do something wrong as children with our parents and we get in trouble, does, is there a distance created there? Sure. Doesn't it make sense when we sin with God, we have create distance between us and God until we do what? Restore that fellowship, right? We repent, turn back. Sure, it's the same, same way. Well, Getting off on a little tangent, but that's okay. You know, God's will is to restore that fellowship, folks. His will is to restore that fellowship. He says His will is for what? All to be saved. Not some, not just His chosen, all. That three little letter word, all, is so critical here. You know, He wants to restore our fellowship. He wants to have a relationship with us. And that's why our Christian life begins with our human spirit. That's where it really begins. It has to get right with God because He desires to fill us with Himself. Okay? He wants us to receive Him and our spirit is that unique receiver. The Bible says it's a receiver. Okay? God desires to have fellowship with all three parts of mankind. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, he said, May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete. He wants a relationship with all three. He distinctly lays out all three right there. Well, I, 
start off talking about our spirit and seeing where God's will is for us before I moved into the Holy Spirit and what His work and what the, the message we're talking about over the next couple of weeks and is how our spirit, the Holy Spirit, works with our spirit. Okay, so let's talk now about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? You know, a little boy, he stopped in front of a church and uh, with his bike and he, he saw this Catholic priest come out. And I'm not picking on Catholics, so don't get excited about that. But the priest says, come inside, I want to show you something. Well, the little boy says to the priest, but somebody might steal my bike. And the priest says, don't worry about that, the Holy Spirit will watch it. So the little boy goes inside, and the priest says, now let me show you how to do the signs of the cross. Everybody know how that is for the Catholics? For the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So he listened to the priest, and, and he says, and, you know, and, and so the priest gives that, and says, now he says, you practice that, little you know, little little Johnny. So the little boy says, In the name of the Father and the Son, Amen. And the priest says, Well, wait a minute. What, what happened to the Holy Spirit? He said, The boy replied, He's outside watching my bike. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Or is it the Holy Ghost? Which one's correct? Hmm. Are they different beings? No. The Holy Ghost, uh, I'm sorry, I think I have that backwards, occurs 90 times in King James. I think it's the other way around. I think I have that backwards. The Holy Spirit, I think, occurs 90 times, and the Holy Ghost occurs seven times. I think that's what it is, I think. Don't quote me on that one. I had that, but I wrote it down wrong, I think. But the exact same Greek and Hebrew words are translated ghost and spirit. Okay? They are one and the same. So when you hear that, don't get caught up in that. That's, that's what's going on. So who is the Holy Spirit? Or I'll say, who is he? Why do I say it that way? Thank you, because he's a person. Exactly right. He is the third person of the triune Godhead, right? The third person of the triune Godhead. Okay? You notice I said he's a real person. Is that important? Absolutely. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. Some belief systems think that. They think that's what he is. He is equal in every way with the God the Father and Jesus the Son. In John fourteen twenty six, all the divine attributes attributed to the Father and the Son are equally credited to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the words. But the advocate, what's advocate mean? Champion, you can say supporter. So the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's saying he's equal. He's equal with the Father. Okay, he's carrying that message. So, he is the third person of the Trinity and equal in every way. Also, where is the Holy Spirit? You remember Johnny Cash's song? I would sing that, but you know, you know, let's say, I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Crossed the deserts, bare, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel I had to share, man. I've been everywhere. Remember that song? Didn't sound, it sounded better than that, but anyway. Hey, thank you. That's the best. Anyways, the Holy Spirit has not been everywhere. He is everywhere. Big difference. Big difference, okay? We call that in the three, one of the three O's, don't we? Omnipresent That's what we call that. Psalms tells us, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right, right hand shall hold me. You see, folks, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter where we try to hide, ever do that? Try to hide from God's presence. Who's there? God is there. God is there and the Holy Spirit is there. Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit has intellect first. He says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Who knows our real person? Our spirit? God knows our spirit. We may be able to hide it from the world, folks. We can't hide it from God. Cannot hide it from God. So first, we see Holy Spirit has intellect. Secondly, he has emotion. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit loves us, folks. He loves us. It's like God loves us. It's part of the Trinity. I mean, you know, he loves us and wants to have communion with us. And uh, so it's so important to realize that. Thirdly, he has will. He has will. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, But all these worketh at one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. See, God gives each of us gifts to the Spirit, and uh, and He's because and His will is for all of us to use those gifts to bring glory to God. So we see the Holy Spirit, who He is. We see where He is. And we see some of His character attributes. So then that leads me to the next point, and that is, how does the Holy Spirit come inside believers? How does the Holy Spirit come in beside believers? That becomes a little challenge sometimes for people, doesn't it? They get a little confused on that, you know? Well, the short answer is regeneration, isn't it? Isn't that the short answer? What's that mean? What's regeneration mean? That's a fancy word. That's, that's a Christian word there, isn't it? That's Christian slow. Uh, we call it jargon. Christian jargon. What's it mean? Well, regeneration means to be formed again. Be formed again. What's the words we use for that? Born again. That's what it means. Regeneration means to be born again. By the way, in order for God to come inside us, He had to become a man named Jesus. He had to live a perfect human life on earth. He had to die to take away our sins. He had to be buried and tomb, and he had to rise again from the grave to give us victory over death. That had to happen. That was a must. Okay? When Jesus resurrected and ascended into heaven, he became a life-giving, listen now, spirit. Okay? And can now enter our believing human spirit. Paul tells us in Acts that Jesus told us his apostles, I will ask the Father and he will give you another, what? Helper. Think about that. That he may be with you forever. It's another word for the Holy Spirit that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth, another one, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you. With you, what's that mean? Inside of us, okay? And he will be what? In you. So if there's any question, if there's any doubt, he cleared up real quick, didn't he? And he goes on to say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus talking about coming to you through the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, uh, and, and being with them and, and speaking with them. Well, my question, next question is, how much of the Holy Spirit do we get? How many of you have been to Pentecostal churches? Well, nobody will admit that, will they? 
I have when I was younger, before I was a Christian, I did. I want to, you know, now, if I take, for instance, I'll take this glass I have in front of me. That's a, it's not really a glass, it's a little paper or plastic thing. Now, what's inside this glass right now? Air. So how would I get this air out of it? Oh, put something out, someone else said what? Okay, so I got this water. Just drinking with you guys. The only way I can get the air out of that is what? Fill it up with something else. Put water in it. Okay, that forces the air out. If you understand about atmospheric pressure and stuff, you understand what I'm talking about. So you got to put something else in that. Okay, so now would you, could you not argue, unless you get really technical on chemicals here, that all the air is out of this? I know that water has oxygen, and I know that, but I'm just saying for the point of this conversation, you feel okay. So basically, that now the air is all removed. Well, victory in the Christian life is not accomplished by sucking out sin, okay, here and there, but by being filled with the Holy Spirit. This comes back to my point. You know, how much of the Holy Spirit do we get when we are regenerated? What's your thoughts? All of them. Okay? The Holy Spirit's waiting for believers to yield. This is a critical word. Yield the third part of our triune being, talking about our spirit. Yielding our spirit to the Holy Spirit to, so He can save us and so we can be filled with His spirit. Okay? That's why our second birth, our regenerated birth, or being born again, has to come through the Spirit because our flesh, which is our sin, will only get us in trouble with God. That's the, way, that's the way it works, you know. Speaking of being born of the Spirit, John tells us, and this is coming back to our verses of Scripture here, and I'll read this to you right now, John 3, verses 5 through 8. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say, verily, verily means what? Truly, truly, better pay attention here, okay? Truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This is spiritual rebirth. He goes on to say, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. No big deal. I say that. You know, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. You know, I live out in the country, and, and we can hear the wind blow sometimes. You know, we can see the result of it, can't we? We can see the trees moving and the grass and, and all these things, trees breaking down, what have you. But we don't see it, do we? So he's saying the same thing here with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the same as Jesus was physically born through the Holy Spirit, we have to be born again through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And the second Spirit is the human Spirit, the regenerated Spirit of man is what it is, Okay. Regeneration is accomplished in the human spirit by the Holy Spirit of God. Period. That's the only way it can happen. You know, which means to have eternal life. Now, by the way, a side note: Do does everybody have eternal life? Yeah. It's just a matter of where you're visiting, or staying, or making residence. Right? You're either going to go to heaven or hell. That's not the scary. It's just a fact. Okay. So everybody's going to have eternal life. But it's where we're going to be at. And I'm talking about eternal life. And we, we say that, just kind of say it off the cuff, meaning in heaven, don't we? 
But we have to understand the other side of that is folks who have not chosen Jesus as their Lord and Savior who will go to hell. That's the punishment for refusing the Holy Spirit's conviction. Okay? This means from the moment we believe in God's Son, Jesus, His Spirit enters into our human spirit and we are reborn, born again. Okay? And we see in several scripture verses that backs it up. If you, if you uh, want to know, I can tell you. God comes inside to set up His residence. Residence. Now, what's that mean? It's where He lives. Right? God's setting up His home. His home, where at? In our spirit, in our spirit, okay, and uh, and that's and that's how Paul can say in First Corinthians, "Know ye not that you are what the temple of God?" What's he saying here? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Very clear here what God tells. When we are born of God, we receive His divine, eternal life in our spirit, and we become His children. Our human spirit is God's de- design place for God. Spirit to enter in order to make his us his children is where it's at, and it is also the place where God's Spirit fills our entire being. So I'm coming back to that point I made earlier about how much the Holy Spirit do we get? We get all of it. Okay, we get all of it. Okay, and uh, and it's like we get all this water in a cup, don't we? Okay, and we see, and it's interesting to me about that because. People make it say, well, what, Dave, wait a minute. What are you talking about? What about when he says, and, and Peter was filled with the Spirit? What's that mean? What's that mean? I would argue that he yielded to the Holy Spirit's direction and conviction. Completely, totally. You see, I had a, a wise lady say one time, you know, godly men are all means they're what? They're half man too, aren't they? Does some of our personal uh, traits or likes or whatever uh, get involved in our conversations with people? Sure it does. When you totally let go of ourself and our desires and let the Holy Spirit you yield to His direction, then you speak God's words. That's when that comes out. That's important for us to yield to the Holy Spirit's direction, instruction, and righteousness. And when that happens, folks, you know, we are transformed. We're transformed by that. And we are that new creature that God speaks about. Here, Paul reinforces this in Second Timothy four twenty two. He says, The Lord be with your spirit. The Lord be with your spirit. Wow. Notice he says, be with. What's that mean? Isn't that present tense? Absolutely. Okay. This means the Lord being in our spirit is something we can experience when? Right now. And for how long? As long as we're on earth, right? Forever, eternity for that matter. Okay? We have confirmation in Proverbs. Solomon said, you know, the spirit of man is the lamp of Jehovah. Wow. Wow. Do you remember the thousand points of lights that George H.W. Bush founded and the points of light? Remember that a long time ago? Okay? To promote the spirit of volunteerism? Well, like that, we are one of the spiritual points of life. Light, I'm sorry. For our Father in Heaven, because He created us, and we are one of His little lights that shines. What's He say about us? We are a what? Light lamp on the hill, light on the hill. Sure. So you see, we receive all the Holy Spirit one time. It's just about a matter of us yielding to His direction, instruction. That's the key. That's the key to that. Well, that takes me to the next point. 
and that is how the Holy Spirit works with our spirit. You know, I worked with a guy years ago, kind of an ordinary character, wasn't a Christian. He said uh, he claimed he had these four little invisible beings that followed him around and talked to him all the time. You know, and if, and if you were in the military, that's a Section 8, I think, they put you out. But anyways, and he, he always... He always said that, and it really upset people because they were like, this guy's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? And when he started working for me, I said, hey. He started that with me. I said, hey, I'm, I'm glad. This, it's, it's more heads on this job. You know what I mean? We can get, we'll get better job re- results this way. Pretty smart. So that kind of ended. But, but he said, we were jealous because the voices only talked to him. Think about that a minute. Well, not the best analogy. But the Holy Spirit is kind of like these little people. He only talks to who? The believers. Right? Yep. He talks to us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He talks to us. You know, that's very important. If you're an unbeliever and have not asked Jesus to come into your heart, what I'm about to tell you is critical. It's critical for you. Tonight the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart and mind of God's truth that you are a sinner. Sinner means that you have thoughts, deeds, and lack of deeds that are against God's will. That's what sin means. This means you need God's forgiveness because none of your works will get you to heaven. None of them will. You may be wondering, how, Dave, can you say that? Well, I don't say it. God says that, you know. In Matthew 18.20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Church, are we here in Jesus' name tonight? Yes, we are. Therefore, God says, what? I'm in the midst of you. I'm here. God's here tonight. The Holy Spirit is here tonight. That's how I can say what I'm talking about right now. Secondly, I can say this because the Holy Spirit convicted me in this sanctuary some 39 years ago. I know from my own personal testimony, the Holy Spirit is here and He he is working in His church. Uh, It's because it's God's church, frankly. And He convicts in this church. So if you're convicted tonight, please pay attention because it's very important. Uh... And unbeliever, if you're out there, that is not your conscience talking to you. Okay? That's not. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you to repent and turn to God for forgiveness and new life. Jesus sacrificially died to put your sin on His account so that you may accept His righteousness to cover all your sins. If you, if you don't invite Jesus into your heart, you will go to hell. And there's no, no one, no parents, no spouse, no family can help you. It doesn't matter if your grandmother's a great Christian. Has no, you can't ride their coattails to heaven. You know, so you can't, it will not happen. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can't earn your way into heaven. And no one else can make that decision for you. You are the only one who can make that, this eternal decision. Will you invite Jesus to come into your heart tonight? Will you invite Jesus to come into your spirit tonight? Will you ask Jesus which is Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, all are one. To come in your spirit tonight, don't delay, folks. I caution you. I warn you. Do not delay. This is scary things. For Christians, the Holy, Holy Spirit's already inside of you. It's inside of us and our spirit, convicting us of our sin. That is why we have internal struggles, you know, in our spirit, convicting us of our sin. You know, as a Christian... And you have the Holy Spirit inside you, you you got a war going inside you. You realize that? 
You have a war going on inside. Remember the cartoon character of the angel on one shoulder and the devil's on the other shoulder? They were talking to the guy. Remember that old cartoon? Pretty good cartoon, really, when you think about it. Some theology there, isn't there? Okay? question is, which one are we listening to? Right? Because we don't like to think that the devil's talking to us. Oh, my gosh. The devil's talking to you? That's kind of scary. But in reality, does he not talk to Christians? Absolutely. Constantly. Constantly. I would say we are where he likes to be. Challenging us to dilute our effect, our impact on society. You know, John 16 tells us, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Listen, Christian, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and he shall show it unto you. Folks, that battle is going on inside you, going inside of me. How's it going? Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Is the Holy Spirit winning that battle? Paul says he dies daily, that Christ might live in him, in him more. Where are we at? Does the Holy Spirit control 70% of our life? And the devil still got 30%? Our old nature, our old desires, our old flesh? Is it 50-50? Where's it at? That's individual, isn't it? I don't know where that's at with you. I only know where it's with me. Does that change each day? Sometimes, doesn't it? We get weak, don't we? So, folks, remember it's a battle. It's a battleground. Well, how does the Holy Spirit work in believers? You know, first off, he bears witness of Jesus Christ. Jesus told us his disciples in John fourteen twenty six, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you, Let's talk about this for a second. You know, Jesus referred to the refers to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. I think that's a great word. It's a great word for us. I think that's a significant because in tough times in their life, anybody have some tough times in their life? I know most of you. I know a lot of uh, some of the problems each of you have faced. A lot of tough times. Hmm. Whether it be death of loved ones, divorce, loss of health to us or our loved ones, financial problems, it goes on and on. Guess what? God says, I send the comforter to you. Some of the greatest times of, of conflict, of problems, of, of worry, of, 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 of tragedy in my life, and it's always a mixed emotion, that's when I feel the closest to the Lord. Because he reveals himself to us. He comforts us in those difficult times. He's the comforter to us. Secondly, God sends His Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. That is for what purpose? I read for Jesus' sake. He said that a minute ago. As Jesus, it's Jesus' special request that He sends the Holy Spirit. He, he said, "I go that I might what send comfort to us." Holy Spirit's a resident on earth, folks, in our spirits. And Jesus said, "You know, I leave to go to prepare a place for you. I'll come again unto you, that where you am." There were, that where I am, you may be also. So he's preparing a place for us now. We have that promise. But he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending the comfort to you. I'm someone there to help you, a helper. A lot of different uh, words he uses to explain the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, they're, and they're good words to give us comfort and peace and strength and wisdom. I can go on and on. He is Jesus' representative to mankind. The Holy Spirit is, frankly. 
Uh, matter of fact, he's he's keeping the devil from ruling, <laughs> totally ruling, uh, ruling, I should say. Also, the Holy Spirit, we see in the 26th verse of chapter 14 of John, does a couple of things. The Holy Spirit acts as a believer's teacher. He teaches us. You know, he shall teach you all things, the same as Jesus was a teacher to his disciples in wisdom and revelation. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us about God's truth. How many times have we read God's Word and we're like, man, I never saw that before. God reveals new truth to us through what? His Spirit. It's based on our maturity. There's several reasons where our hearts at a time. But the Holy Spirit's there to teach us if we listen. And we can read a same verse of Scripture over and over again, a week apart, a month apart, a year apart, ten years apart, and what happens? God reveals new truths to us based on our spiritual maturity. Doesn't he? Sure he does. How many of us forget things? Anybody? You know, sometimes I think I have the hereafter disease. I go to the basement and think, what am I here after? You know, the Holy Spirit changes that. He, he says, He shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You know, that, that's, that's pretty powerful, I think. You know, I teach new hires where I work, and one of them said, he, he was driving a fork truck and he, and he speared a drum. That means you put your forks into a drum. And I talked to him about that, and he said, I heard Dave's voice come into my head and say, don't pull out those forks. Which I thought was, I didn't even think he was paying attention, so that was good. But anyways, the Holy Spirit's similar in time of need. Doesn't he put words and thoughts and his word in our hearts? In a time of need, we may not remember, may not even remember we even read that scripture, you know. Or the preacher had preached that message. Or, or you know, we could go memory verses, we could go all kind of stuff. But he gives us what we need in our time of need. That's what he's saying here. You know, um, and he also reminds us of lessons from what we've read in the Bible too. Why? So we may remember and understand them in the time of need. You know, the Holy Spirit reminded the apostle of God's truth, apostles of God's truths as they preached, didn't he? Sure, he did. As they wrote the New Testament, sure he did. You know, and as they endured being martyrs, he surely did. Well, I mentioned that the Holy Spirit also testifies of Jesus. You know, John fifteen twenty six says, He shall testify of me. What's his purpose? One of his purposes? Testify of Jesus. He talks about him. He don't talk about me. Holy Spirit does. He say, Hey, look at me. Does he do that? Never does that. Never does that. The Holy Spirit tells people's hearts about the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, Corey was having that in, in a morning Sunday school talking about that. But you know, even the apostles, who they speak about when Peter and and uh, was it Peter and John, they said, you know, they said, where did this power from? He said, this is about Jesus Christ, not about us, right? Your focus has to be right. And that's where the Holy Spirit does the same thing. He testifies of Jesus. He don't testify about himself. Hmm, that's interesting. Which, who should we testify of? Jesus, not ourselves. It's not about being puffed up. We have a guy at work we call him Puffy. He gets around people with an authority and he kind of puffs up like I'm a big shot you know what I mean it's not about that folks it's not about that listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 he says but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of God from what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man 
which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Hmm. Have we ever had revelations come to us that are so clear, we ask ourselves, why didn't I see that earlier? So obvious, so clear. It becomes crystal clear, doesn't it? Wow. Is that just because we're so smart? I don't I'll speak for myself. Not because Dave's smart, I can tell you that. You know, I'm not the brightest bulb in that crown box or in that Christmas tree either. I said brightest crown or or uh, light bulb. I get that. I can't even get it out. But anyways, not the sharpest one <laughs> or the brightest one. <laughs> we'll get you through it. Hey, we were reading this morning that you know what that Peter and John were unlearned, weren't they? And ignorant people. You know what I mean? Look what you got in front of you. You know, that's all I can say. But, uh, folks, the Holy Spirit's teaching us spiritual truths. Important today that uh, He won't reveal to unbelievers. Realize that? Wow. Folks, if you're presently an unbeliever, the only communication God is going to have with you is through the Holy Spirit's conviction uh, that you're a sinner and you need to save and you can't save yourself. Don't leave here tonight by rejecting the Holy Spirit's conviction. Christians, Holy Spirit may be convicting you tonight as well uh, that He wants you to return to God's will and follow Him in a more perfect way than you have in the past. Maybe you have backslidden. Maybe you have not answered God's call for service. Or maybe you've made many excuses like Jay Stunkick said this morning. You know, and I like what he said. He said, you know, when he talks about God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Remember that this morning? That's where it is. Uh, wow. Whatever the Holy Spirit is moving in you, whether it be conviction unto salvation or conviction under service, to stop giving the excuses, just, 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 just uh, do God's work wherever He's convicting you at, I ask you to, to come and answer His call tonight as I ask Linda to come and, uh, and play the invocation.